We came for salvation. We came for family. We came for all that's good. That's how we'll walk away. Aloha and welcome to the Layman's Lounge podcast, a ministry of the laymanslounge.com, where we exist to bring everyday theology for everyday life. Today we have on the line Makoto Fujimura. Aloha, Kahu, and thank you for taking the time to connect. I appreciate it. Uh, it's great to be here with you. Aloha. <laughs> Makoto is an artist, teacher, author, amongst many other things. Um, two, book, two books of note are Culture Care, Reconnecting with Beauty for Our Common Life. And the book we'll talk about today is called Art and Faith, A Theology of Making. And that's Yale University Press 2021, which, by the way, Yale University has been um, kind to allow us to give away two copies. So just repost this interview anywhere and tag us and we'll choose some of you guys. So, uh, Kahu, I'm fascinated by you as an artist like, and not just the finished work, but the process as well. Yeah. Can you can you give like those of us who aren't familiar Tell about slow art, some of your your own mediums and tools, techniques, as well yeah. as some of the traditions you draw from. Yeah. You, uh, first of all, you can call me Mako. Uh, my friends do so. Okay. <laughs> Mako like taco. You know. Um, yeah. No. Thank you. Uh, I am an artist. Um, everything else that I do, writing and uh, uh, even this podcast, literally comes out of my studio here in Princeton. Um, I, I always say that uh, my primary task of making every day in my studio is what fuels everything else. And uh, so um, even in our conversation, I'm sure uh, we can talk about the connections. Uh, and yes, I use uh, traditional Japanese materials, uh, materials uh attached to the tradition of nihonga japanese tradition japanese style painting uh and these are min pulverized minerals and gold and silver on paper silk um uh, all uh materials from the earth um and then i it would mix that with space age materials sometimes to create these monumental paintings uh that sits behind me um, uh, so my work would not be in the category of Nihonga, but in, in, in the category, I suppose, of contemporary art, but it doesn't really fit uh, into that as well. Um, and what, what I'm interested is in certainly bringing uh, 16th and 17th century Japanese aesthetic into the contemporary vernacular and language, um, especially visual language. And so my next show in New York is at a gallery called High Line Nine in Chelsea, where I will be exhibiting pieces um, and, uh, that began um, to, to be shaped after 9-11. I was a um, ground zero resident uh, right there when that happened. My children became ground zero children for the next 10 years. Um, they grew up there as as their home. So um, I am reflecting on trauma, uh, certainly my ground zero experience, but you know, broadly extended into uh, 
even 311 uh, tsunami disaster in, in Japan. And then 311 happens to be the date that WHO announced uh, the global pandemic. So these issues of trauma and culture, I'm trying to directly deal with in my work. And uh, so my, my exhibit will be comprised of paintings, but um, it is also a invitation to, to a conversation uh, about how beauty um, can create access to um, heating and um, even issues of uh, justice and um, understanding our place in the world uh, in the context of trauma today. Mm. I know like when we, if, if I was just to Google some of your work, I would see, I would see paintings. I'm not going to even come close to appreciating it because from what I could tell, because I've never seen in person, there's this refractions that, that you, mm. that you speak about. And, and also what we won't see is the process. Can you, can you, I mean, that's just so fascinating to me. Like, I, I just love it. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Well, noticing that uh, my work uh, are process driven. Uh, so uh, what that means is there's a process in making the work, which, which is, is important uh, because I, I look at it almost in a way that music uh, is played or uh, you know, modern dancers uh, perform. Mm -hmm. um, I am painting what I hear um, as well as what I see and the direct connection between what I'm intuiting to be God's presence in this world um, and translating that onto the materials that I, um, I'm using is a process of um, incarnation, a small incarnation, you know, that, that is every painting. And so the process is also on the other side of, of the viewer, yeah, the process of uh, cre creating a co conversation, uh, communication, uh, maybe even the, the, you know, to commune with these ways of integrating. And, and, then, and then I'm ambitious enough to think that part of my work is creating community as well in some way, or at least um, assisting in creation of genuine authentic communities um, that the Holy Spirit is working to draw. Um, and I'm not talking about the church necessarily or, or Christian community. I'm, I'm talking about what the spirit is doing in wider margins of culture. Mm -hmm. um, I, I am talking about bringing healing uh, to people who may or may not be religious. Yeah. Um, uh, so those, those are things that I think, uh, uh, you know, a package of all of my art is, yeah. is both in, you know, the process of create, creating and process of um, my work being received in some way. And let the listener know, and I mean, the way I say it might be wrong because I'm just going on memory, but Mako will like pulverize an oyster shell and that might take, yes. I forget if that's like a, I forget if that like has to yeah, a long, long, yeah. for a long time and then it has to reconstitute. And then like some yeah. of the paper you use is, you know, thousands yeah. of years of handed down craft from, you yeah. know, like, right. like those, that is just, just that alone. I love it. And I wanted to ask you a question. I was debating if I should ask you this because, you know, like um, 
you know, like, you know, when there's a band and they have this super famous song and everyone, every time they play, they probably get sick of playing it, but everyone loves it. But the, you speak of the Japanese art of Kintsugi and it's just <laughs> so, could you just please tell us, I'm, I'm sure you've told this every person you meet, but can you just share it one more time with us? Oh, it's no problem. So I, I love talking about Kintsugi uh, or Kintsugi Roi as uh, Japanese uh, traditions will have it. Um, I, I have one right here um, that, that um, we, we do these workshops. Uh, we're going to do this in um, on September 11th. We're going to have a workshop uh, as we deal with the you know trauma of our past. Wow. Uh, the fractures that we, we go through. Kintsugi is a venerable Japanese tea tradition uh, connected with the tea tradition of 16th century Japan. But uh, it is an idea of when when an important tea, tea bowl breaks, uh, you don't fix it to make it perfect again. Just like you know, in, in the West, that's that we will either throw it away, yeah. or you know, we just uh, pretend that it never happened by super gluing it back together. Mm-hmm. But the Japanese tradition will have it that brokenness and imperfections are beautiful. And it's more valuable than even some perfected uh, materials. So families of tea masters will hold on to the fragments for sometimes several generations. And they will give it to a Japan lacquer master, Urushi master, uh, and that person will mend it. And But again, as, as this, this ball uh, that I have in my hand um, is, is brand is, is new because of the design that the uh, uh, Kintsugi master would have uh, embellished uh, to accentuate the fracture, uh, therefore making the Kintsugi bowl more valuable than the original. Mm. And and that concept is is so not only uh, appropriate for our time and and profound, but I, I argue in the book, I have a chapter on Kintsugi theology, I I say, well, this is the theology of new creation, where uh, Jesus in post-resurrection appearance in standing in front of Thomas, you know, is still with his nail marks and wounds. Um, N.T. Wright, uh, theologian N.T. Wright, who wrote the beautiful foreword for this book, uh, has uh, stated many times the, the miracle of the resurrection, uh, you know, is, is you know, most of us think of it as, as Jesus coming back um, to uh, have a new body. And, and of course, that's a, that's, that's a cataclysmic miracle. But there's another miracle that we don't talk about, which is that Jesus chooses to stay human mm. but he could have been anything <laughs> and we would have been like wow you know he, you know there's jesus and he's this um no but he chose after having gone through everything right suffering and and, and rejection he decides that no i am going to stay human and not only that i'm going to keep the wounds that you know destroyed me uh, killed me uh, I, 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 that is the mark through which I my healing will be provided my presence will be known yeah. and Thomas got it right he, he didn't even touch the wounds he he worshipped um, the first time that a male disciple is known to you know worship 
the resurrected Christ. And, and so that to me is Kintsugi theology. You know, it is, it is through his wounds we are healed. And then the gold um, vein of grace is running through our fractures. Mm-hmm. So if that's true for Jesus, what does it mean for us? Yeah. How valuable is our humanity? How valuable are our fractures and wounds? Those are things that, you know, we often don't speak about. Um, and the fact that we are invited, even though we, are, we have been wounded so many ways, because of Kintsugi process, <clears throat> we are more valuable than we were before. And now we are invited to be, in a way, Kintsugi masters of the broken earth, mm-hmm. right? The broken neighborhoods, broken realities all around us. Mm-hmm. And how is that going? You know, like, what are we doing to make into the new world rather than just try to repair the old, mm-hmm. right? So th- these are issues that, um, you know, I talk about in my book that um, I, as I noted, it's particularly relevant for today. Mm. Let the, for those who are listening, um, he held up like a Kintsugi bowl. And if I, you know, I'm, I don't have a very aesthetic eye. And if, ha- if I hadn't known the backstory, I'd be like, oh, that's pretty cool. That looks pretty cool. But just knowing first, like the historical um, of how those, how that art came to be, and then just even the insight that you unpack through that, like when you lifted that up, that gives me chicken skin. And I'm just like, and I'll post a picture of it. I think that's so compelling. And even, you know, also I was in, in the book you had mentioned, I think you were sitting with one of your mentors and, and he held like a, um, like, a, a like a fragment of earthenware. And it's like, you're, he's like, this thing's like, you know, 5,000 years old or something. And he's like, I could afford this, you know, you could afford this. And, and then you notate how like, um, a lot of us in the West are just so like utilitarian, like it's all about utility and what works, what's the most efficient. And then even today, when I was driving, I was talking to my brother-in-law, they're about to have a, a yard sale. And, uh, they said there's this like ice chest that they're selling that's totally broke. The handle's gone. And, and my brother-in-law was just laughing about this ice chest. He's like, no one's going to want this thing. And for the first time, I thought, you know what? Maybe I'll fix that ice chest. I really did. Just It's probably one from the 80s. But wouldn't that be cool if I fixed that yeah. ice chest? So, but anyways, your insights about like, about basically, it's a good diagnosis that you're giving us because we're swimming in it. But can you... I mean, that, that's from God, man. Can you explain to us what, what you see of this whole utility versus, you know, all this stuff? It's so helpful. Right. I talk about utilitarian pragmatism uh, in my books. Culture Care um, is, is a book that I, I wrote in response to culture wars. Um, and this is, I call, you know, I, I call culture care an antidote to culture wars. Uh, it's a nonviolent resistance to culture wars. Uh, it is not a war against culture wars, but, you know, <laughs> because there are principles and issues that require a certain, you know, uh, perhaps more aggressive approach, but um, to me, uh, when the entire culture becomes culture wars, there's something something wrong. And um, uh, you know, we're not looking at culture as an ecosystem or garden to steward. We're looking at it as a battleground. And uh, when when we do that, 
uh, both sides lose because we demonize the other side, whoever the other side may be, and we come out uh, more, uh, we come out limping ourselves, um, and we lose the territories of our own ideologies by doing that. And so, so it's not only uh, imprudent, it, it, it's impractical. But, you know, America especially has been immersed in this uh, tactical, political battles. And um, I always said that culture wars will lead to real wars. Um, and that is true around the globe. Um, and, and it has, you know, January 6th. Uh, look at what happened at the capital of the United States of America, and you see the end, direct end result of culture wars. So what's the alternative? Um, the alternative is to look at culture as a gardener would look at uh, his or her land. And, uh, you know, if you're tending uh, soil, you have to amend the soil, make it good, uh, new, uh, you know, filled with um, nutrients for plants to root and grow. Mm. And that takes a long time and a lot of work, you know, weeding and removing rocks first to make sure that the soil uh, is amenable. Um, and it takes a lot of the failures to, you know, understand how a tomato can, you know, yield uh, fruitfulness. Yeah. But we haven't been doing that, you know, in, in, as, as stewards of culture. Uh, certainly the church, but also just broadly. Mm. So we don't take care of our environment. We, we, we don't. Uh, and, and the bottom line thinking here is that, you know, a, a capitalistic drive to create the, you know, meet the bottom line, uh, you know, needs has resulted in this perpetual drive to uh, fight uh, scarcity battles um, and not assume as, um, the um, the founder of capitalism, Adam Smith, has noted that it, it is based on the wealth of nations. Right, this the, the idea of commonwealth came out of that. I you know idea of abundance. That if you increase the people's uh, productivity, everybody benefits. Mm. Now that has gone from that idea, Scottish Enlightenment idea, to today, where it's a Darwinian battle. Only right, so so we assume our assumption is a scarcity mindset, and we say that well, in order for me to have my values, um, well, I have to beat the others to the punch. Mm -hmm. Well, that's a huge assumption, you know. And and Jesus, you know, stands on us, you know, giving the sermon on the mount, and says the opposite. Right, blessed are those who, who are you know weeping and and who, those who are poor. That you have the keys to the kingdom, mm -hmm. and what he was saying, you know, directly to us, it seems, uh, you know, we we want to fight our way, you know, back into prosperity or whatever. But but that's the opposite direction of of true prosperity, prosperity and abundance. Mm -hmm. uh, Jesus is reminding us that God has always created abundance. Uh, extra abundance yeah and and we can tap into that now by faith um, by by you know really basing our lives in 
um, these principles mm. to consider the lilies of the field, you know, the, the flowers, just look at the flowers and look how beautiful they are, you know, look at the birds of the sky, you know, the, in, in, in Big Island, you know, it, it is it is amazing how abundant, uh, you know, the forest when you go into the forest uh, areas. And, and that still exists despite what we've done to the land, you know, and, and so, so God is always reminding us of this, but we, we tend to shrink down into our territorial battles. I posted a, a picture on my, on my Instagram of your book and a friend of mine uh, commented who read um, one of your books and he said, he just offered this one this little one liner of you and it stuck with me. He was saying something like, Oh yeah, I read, I read his other book and he said something like, something like your wife or someone got, you were mad, something like someone wanted to buy flowers um, yes. for the house, but kind of someone was too like kind of broke at the time. And that probably wasn't the best <laughs> idea. And basically you ended up realizing something like utility should never trump out like beauty or something like that and and even that stuck with me so i was driving down the highway and there's this auntie who sells these pretty flowers and i always i always think man those flowers are so pretty but i would never stop because we are destitute and i would never stop but i'm like you know what he would do it so i pulled over and i got those and my wife's like why did you get these for we're poor i'm and i was like these are beautiful Let's let him be in our house. And I just left it out of that. And she's like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I thank you for that. Like oh, you're welcome. the stuff you say isn't theoretical. That's why right. I'm so glad to have you on the show. We, there's so many theorists that, it, you know, I, I get clouded and I get caught up in, in the recipe, like you talk about. And I'm like, but I'm never making the omelet. So maybe you can talk about that in a minute, but I was, I'm sorry. The book was very good. Okay, I was challenging the book when you ask us to consider the work of the spirit in culture. And then, mm -hmm. and then you say this, quote, we ask not just how you or I may be doing as a follower of Christ, we ask audacious, audaciously, how is our culture doing? Yeah. When we ask this, we realize that our individualist eff efforts to be filled with the spirit through all our church and parachurch programs have not resulted in a culture that is full of the fruit of the spirit. Brother, this is so motivating. Can you? I know, you right? First of all, there's, there's abundance everywhere. And, and we have taught ourselves to think uh, poor. Yeah. We're not poor. I mean, look at us. You know, we're having this conversation over Zoom. I mean, thousands of miles away um this this conversation is gold right this conversation is rich with abundance mm. and reminders of abundance mm. um we, we might be going through a hard time um you know it it, it seems to me I, I i know a lot of collectors who are millionaires and and you know they're they're like stressed out you know <laughs> Like, like, and and then you know, I, I visit um, you know some somebody in India, right? That uh, um, untouchable person in India is full of joy. <laughs> so yeah. so like it, it doesn't seem to matter where you are or where you're. You know, uh, there are extreme mm. conditions uh, in which we have the right to say mm. this is wrong. You know, it has to be, it has to change, and and I'm suffering. 
But most of the time, you know, we, especially in the West, um, we kind of convince ourselves that we are uh, lacking things when, you know, when we're, we're not really looking, treating the world uh, full of mystery, uh, full of unknowns, full of things to discover, full of, um, you know, this abundance of joy that can come when uh, a child can tap into that, you know, and, and we, do, we lose sight of, uh, you know, what uh, the values that we have in relationships, you know, values we have, um, even if we had lost everything materially, that there's nothing in our bank account, we still have each other, you know, and, and what does that mean, you know, is, and, and so, so the, these are kind of reminders, I think, that God gives us that the world is full of burning bushes, you know, <laughs> we just have to open our eyes, you know, just, just stay with it, look, look at it, you know, and, and, and more importantly, you know, enjoy God's presence through it. And um, so I talk about the spirit, uh, fruit of the spirit realities, you know, I, I am so convicted when I think about it, because, you know, I, we talk about fruit of the spirit being love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, you know, faithfulness and self-control. And we, we, we spend so much time talking about this individually and cultivating that ourselves and how, how, you know, how much we, we lack and we tend to live in the, uh, the, the fruit of the flesh. Right? Mm. And, and, you know, and, and I look at, my community, you know, my home, my community, and then, then culture at large. And when I ask myself, well, where are the spirit, um, you know, fruit of the spirit evidences in, in culture? Mm. It's often not the church. You know? It's often not the things that I, I've done either, you know, like yeah. I've been involved in. And some of the things that I've been involved in have been enormously fruitful right yeah. and but those are not the, not the programs mm -hmm. you know they're, they're not the things that we institutionalize yeah you know there are times when i wasted time with my kids you know there are times when i just went to an artist studio and hung out you know i had coffee talked about life yeah those, those are moments you know they're, they're basically like there's there's no monetary <laughs> you know reward for any of them and 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 yet I, I find myself enriched by those experiences and not only that be filled with love filled with joy filled with peace and 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 pretty soon you know that's so winsome and attractive right people kind of gather because they, they you know and somebody starts playing music somebody starts dancing yeah. and we all have nothing you know <laughs> so good and what, what is that, right? So, so I, I I see pockets of that exceptions, and and um, you know I want to really take note of that. But in general, right, what yeah. we see in the news, what we read on Facebook, I mean, it's it's nothing but that. It's the opposite. If yeah. you, in fact, if you read the the scripture of you know the fruit of the flesh, mm. it describes exactly our culture, oh, <laughs> and not only out there you know, in so-called secular culture, yeah, yeah. it describes yeah. in the 
church. Yes, yes. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, and, and so that is as convicting as anything. Yeah, know? yeah. And let the listener know when, when Makoto says waste time with his children um, when he was wasting time, like he doesn't mean waste, like he means that in a good way. Like I saw through your book, you're like, you were saying like you went on and on I didn't about Jesus weeping like he didn't have yes. oh man I don't even want to open that new section please read the book and and just read that part about Jesus weeping and even your work connect with the, it's just really just really helpful I'm gonna um okay so last night I was reading your um your chapter in public theology the yeah. uh new or forthcoming book from Matthew Kamenick and you had oh yeah yeah, yeah. and you have given it you, you said, I think it was you, you were in like Shibuya or something, some kind of cool spot in Japan. And you were connecting with church planners and you said something that blew my mind and my super reformed re, uh, reflexes didn't like love it. But at the same time, I felt like it was what we needed. And this is what you said. You said something like you told them or whoever it was said something like, why don't you guys, you know, yeah, plant a church. Or, but maybe what, something you should do is... I forget the language, but plant some good culture, creativity, community, loving. Um, yeah. And that's an example. That's a tangible example of what that quote I had just read from you. And I, I even think that in my own my own street, I often want to plant, plant a church here. Um, that's part of the reason mm -hmm. I came here years ago. And I was like, I, I should just plant culture and love. And just like, you know, it sounds like hippie stuff, but this is what it's about, right? I, I, yeah. And, and that was, um, Ian, Miss Dr. You know, the, the families will come out, mothers with children, you know, running around. And, and, and so I, I walked around the area with them, uh, for a couple of days and, and, uh, you know, and they said, you know, well, you know, we we're church planters, you know, what, what do you advise? And I said, can I tell you something crazy, you know, and, and totally counterintuitive, you know, and, and, you know, it's a lot of it's semantics, but, you know, I yep. say yep. use these, you know, words carefully and intentionally to help us to get to what we need to talk about. Okay. So you may, you may throw that out the window. That's fine, but don't plant a church. <laughs> you know, don't plan it. Instead, work on um, how you might build into children's lives, playing at, in, in, in a park every Saturday. Mothers are exhausted. How would you give them an experience of creativity, imagination to value them, mm -hmm. uh, create a safe space for them? And by the way, you have a beautiful space that can easily turn into a gallery, turn into a black box theater, turn into a concert hall. Hmm. You know, what if you brought music and art and beauty that the local neighbors would appreciate? Yeah. Like ask them what they want. You know, like <laughs> what a crazy idea, right? Like, yeah, you're right. <laughs> like instead of reading books about church planting, go out in the streets, like, like directly ask a non-believer, what would you want in a, in a church, you know? And it's okay to use that language, even if they don't understand it. You yeah. say, and I have been amazed by how many non-Christians who have no idea what a church is, they, they have no idea what the gospel is, but they have an inkling, you know, 
Yeah. And, and they tell me things that are like, wow, that's a great idea. Having an afternoon program where the mothers can learn some, you know, things that, they, you know, that, that they, they may be interested in learning while you take care of the kids. Mm-hmm. You know, like a, whatever that may be. Yes. Um, like just ask them what, what is it that you need, you know, and the world is unfortunately full of <laughs> fractures and traumas, right? So, right. so there are plenty of ways that somebody like yourself looking at a community say, you know, oh, you know, this, this person needs this, this person needs that, the whole community is this. And when you just have a humble approach to ask, and let the spirit lead in that, obviously. And, you know, um, oftentimes what we find is, you know, you don't have to really plan a church to create a community. Yeah. Now that may become a church. Yeah. You know, may that be true. You know, the spirit may use that effort in, you know, uh, to create a genuine community through which a church is birthed. Yeah. Surprised, surprised by church, as it were. Yeah, exactly. Surprised by church. That's a great, great title. For <laughs> but, you know, I, I, I have come to believe that instead of like working so hard to create fruitfulness, we should go to where the fruit is hanging right now and learn from that. Yeah. And even join them, right? Mm-hmm. Mm. And if that's possible to do as, you know, so-called Christian church planters, uh, just throw all the preconceptions out the door. Mm -hmm. You know, your training is going to come in handy later, you know, but first let's let's find the fruit. Yes. Is there love in this community? Mm. Is there joy? Is there, you know, um, is there peace? Is there, Mm -hmm. you know, is there patience? Yes. Yes. there he is, you know, it, it doesn't really matter what it's, what the group is for or why they're gathering. You know, it could be a motorcycle gang. Yeah. I mean, just learn from them because they're doing something right. And the spirit, right, doesn't read labels, right? The Holy Spirit doesn't go around saying, oh, that's a Christian church. I'm going to go there. Oh, my gosh. No. no, the spirit is hovering and looking at the hearts of men and women who is searching for truth, right? How that how does that truth come out? Well, maybe it's in a, it's a, it's in a you know hip hop song that yeah. that Christians don't want to listen to because it's yeah. so vulgar. But the person is wrestling with it and it's honest, dead honest before his friends, yeah. and by the way, before God, probably has some inkling that someone's listening to this yeah. stuff. Yes. So why don't we just go? Find out what what's behind the layers yeah. of, you know, insecurities, ego. Why are you doing it? Why are you making? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and then once we get to the heart of it, I think most of us will find that the Holy Spirit is already there. Yeah, you know, like yeah. where us, you know, and and um, the Christian label doesn't really help in that conversation. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, uh, all the theology, all the stuff, training is necessary for what comes after that, you know, to organize, to, you know, to create a kind of a systematic way of 
but um, you know, I, I think initially we should just look for good fruit. And so it makes me think of like, I only do what I see the father doing. And it makes me yes. think of, you know, Richard Mao's recent yes. book where he's talking about like great Chinese pottery that isn't made by Christians and there's still this common yes. grace. And it also makes me think if you say go where it's already happening and it makes yeah. me think because the story doesn't, as you mentioned, doesn't start with fall. It's like creation, then fall, yes. redemption, new creation. New creation so yeah. It makes sense to go to that place. But again, I know like so many of, of like the the capital R crusty reformed listeners. Yes, I'm talking to you, crusty reformed <laughs> listeners. That's me kind of. We love you. <laughs> we like, we like it. We just, that's where we even fall into that pragmatic Christian thing. We're like, wait, we must do church planting. It's like, but this is what you're saying is yeah. like the right thing, but we almost want to do like the pragmatic right thing. So, having said that, can you, can you enter into the observation slash helpful scathing rebuke? of plumber theology <laughs> yes plumbing theology yes um so i needed a descriptor you know for what I, you know sermons that i hear the most is what i call plumbing theology which is you know god created the world in love and and we we screwed up you know in eden and we carry that sin of adam with us and and Christ came as second Adam and, and healed us and, and brought us into the throne, right? And, and hallelujah, we receive Christ and we are new in Christ and, and then Pentecost comes and the Holy Spirit just, you know, unifies us and, and then we off, off we go in the world. Um, that's typical sermon, right? And, and, you know, so what, uh, of course, the gospel is the entire story. So, you know, I, I don't hear, you know, uh, pastors making a mistake of saying, you know, like, you know, make it like, you know, just these things. Mm -hmm. But but I often, what, what the audience hears is, you came into the church broken, we're going to fix you. Yeah. Okay? And we have programs for you, you know, in the back, you can sign up for them. And when you go to these programs, we're going to give you tools, yeah. right? We're going to give you tools, uh, you know, and you're going to go home and you can fix your plumbing, right? You work on that, you come back next next week and, and share what happened, right? Yeah. And, uh, you know, we might be able to fix some things, a leak here and there, and we were like, wow, well, this thing works, right? So we go back and we, you know, and and we, we sometimes bring our neighbors, you know, I got this new tool and it's and it's amazing, you know, I, I fixed my pipe and you can too, you know, <laughs> come with me and we can we can learn how to do this, right? You you uh, they'll give you tools, you know, and and just perpetual of this, right? Next next week there's a new tool, right? So so we go and we say, oh great, you know, I can fix this now. But at no time, no point where uh, the sermon or the church talks about what's actually going through the pipes. What are the pipes for? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> right. It's, it's, and, and I talk about three things. Right. I talk about the Holy Spirit flowing through the pipes to rejuvenate us. I talk about the blood of Christ healing us. Right. But what's really happening is there's a wine of new creation flowing backwards through the pipes. 
mm-hmm. that we can you know we can take in now mm. right that's that's a feast of of, of a christian community mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. But, but oftentimes it, it's like you don't talk about that that's that's like you know after you know you know and 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 so so instead of plumbing theology you know, I offer this way of um, asking, what are you making, right? So, yeah, so yeah. rather than what are you fixing, the question should be, what are you making and how can the church help you make that? Come on, come on. So, so person comes in all broken. We, we say, you know, just like in Kintsugi workshop, you know, uh, hallelujah, you know, and 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 the kintsugi master that I work with, uh, Nakamura-san, always starts a kintsugi workshop and says, you know, you brought in all these broken things that you want to fix, you know, but we're not going to do that. And people are like totally confused, like, what? You know, I thought this was a workshop to fix things, you know. And he says, no, we're going to look at the fragments first and name them. <laughs> And behold, learn to behold them as beautiful first. Mm, mm, mm. Then we'll be ready to mend to make new. So, so you know, not just fixing, right? Plumbing theology. Yeah. But yeah. we're gonna mend, right? Accentuating sometimes the fracture. <laughs> mm, mm. We're not gonna hide it. It's gonna be there, but it's beautiful now. Yeah. You see yeah. it as beautiful. So, so we can all say. Wow, you know, you came in with a, you know, completely shattered. Yeah. And your pieces actually fit to mine. Mm-hmm. Right? And, and our pieces together fits into the community. Mm-hmm. Isn't that amazing? And mm-hmm. can we just step back, you know, before we even try to take care of ourselves and men? Just behold, you know, how beautiful this is, like how God is working, you know, and like God brought you here. Yeah. And you thought it was for yourself. No, it was for me. <laughs> I need you. <laughs> you <know? laughs> so, so that, you know, moving away from this pragmatic, you know, fixing theology to Yes, you do, man. So, you, you know, the justice piece is there. You're restoring people. Mm-hmm. But the restoration, with, even with the restoration, you know, the trauma doesn't go away. Mm-hmm. You know, it's still there. And what we can uh, do is that God can create something new out of that, mm-hmm. right? And that's a perpetual communal journey. Mm-hmm. Do so. And, and so I... I um, I wrote that and I felt bad for plumbers, you know, because, you know, I'm like dismissing what they do. And I, I was so amazed because like three plumbers like wrote to me, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and, and one guy said, you know, I, 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 I was like, you know, I felt so bad, you know, like, you know, plumbing theology and all that. And, and he said, no, 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 no. When you talked about Kintsugi plumbing, that's when I understood what I do. I'm a third generation plumber. And my father told me that when I go into a home to, to fix their pipes, you're not fixing pipes. You are serving this family. You need to, you know, learn to listen. And you need to figure out, you, you know, through the pipes that you are working on, you can actually figure out other stuff. 
and you can tell them that you know this this I took care of, but you know this, this there's this problem here that I can I can help you you know later on when when you're ready, and and not only that right you you want to like impart this vision for whole right that 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 you you are here for them you know you're not here just for business side mm-hmm. of what you do. You're here for them. You're available. You 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 know make yourself present in that home as as a you know as a gift mm. to that family. And he said, "I grew up with this. I do this." And when you talked about you know plumbing theology, I understood it because that's that's typical plumbing, right? But what I do is kintsugi plumbing. <laughs> I love that they reached out to you. I, I you, you in passing, you you reference like almost as a joke, like what if someone did Kintsugi plug, you know, and it's like, (laughs) that is so cool. That is so powerful. And it makes me think of, I applied that to my own life too. Like I'm, you know, I, I'm a pencil pusher. I think of my, my wife, who's just a busy mom. And it's like, I'm a Kintsugi busy mom. I'm a Kintsugi pencil, like, you know, data entry guy. And, and, and then I was, you, you, you just, oh, listener, listen to his comment, graduation commencement. I don't know what's called at Biola, where you say, what are you going to create today? And you talk about these firefighters in 9-11 and talk about how they're going up the stairs as everyone's leaving. And you're talking about the creating that goes in there. And then all the, the, the work behind that. Um, oh, I just, I wish, can we extend this another five hours? Cause there's that. <laughs> no. I, I, and then another thing I wanted to hit, which we're not going to be able to hit, but I want to point the listener to is um, he talks about, like how he had these good, fresh, natural, warm eggs in his hand and he wanted to make a good omelet and, you know, he cracks it open and he watches the video for the master, but he was never able to make this omelet just the way. And it's just because he did, he had the right recipe, but right. it's just, it takes time and practice and heart and you got to eat it. And, and, and a lot of us, me, especially, I've got the recipe for sound doctrine, but I'm never asking how's our culture? So yeah. I, I don't want you to speak to that because I want to go a few other places, but please read, read it for that part. <laughs> in the book, you said, quote, God's design in Eden, even before the fall, was to sing creation into being and in to invite God's creatures to sing with God, to co-create into the creation, end quote. And then a little bit later, you said, quote, making in the fundamental making in the fundamental reality of homo faber that is man the maker not just homo sapien so homo faber is man the maker homo sapien right and what uniquely define and what uniquely defines our role in creation we are imago dei created to be creative i'll say again created to be creative and we are by nature creative makers and then another place towards the end of the book you say before the fall we were all artists and poets and then later you said, we all must think, act, and make like an artist. So my question for you is this. I see this theology. So yeah. you, you're hitting us with theology. Like, yeah. so, <laughs> but how, how does this apply to, a like I said, a busy mom? Mm-hmm. You know, you kind of touch on the plumber. We kind of touch on firefighter. But like, really, like, I like singing along with my family but it's not my full-time thing. You know what I mean? What, 
how can this shake out for the rest of us? Maybe someone just a great art collector. I know yeah. N.T. Wright owns some of your art. I've heard him him sing some Bob Dylan songs so maybe he's not a singer either so how does he walk in this how do I walk in this wow beautiful question by the way and I I, I'll be happy to spend more more time you know maybe another uh, round of this because I I think what you're getting at actually is uh, manifestation of theology and new, new creation into the very presence of um, you know everyday life, right? And that's 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 where the test um, really uh, it, it really is. And and so um, to me, you know, being being aware of that process where we accept the unknown. You know, many good things about Reformed theology. One thing that I I would always um, push for as an artist is 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 to enter into the unknown, enter into the mystery. Um, and you know that these are things that you know it's it's almost like um, if you understand the systematic and pragmatic ways that theology can work um, and harness the, 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 the truth in, into you know, what, what we do uh, as a church, then we should be very comfortable with the mystery, right? Because we, we have the solid center to spin out of, yes. right? And, and, and so that, that indicates to me that the health of reformed theology in the church ought to be how far can you go in this parabolic activity of the Great Commission, mm-hmm. right? And, and the more, you know, solid the center, the further, you know, the, you, you can go, like mm-hmm. you can go um, the farthest. So, so, so what, you know, what does that mean for mom, you know, washing dishes? Well, it means that he or she is, already in that journey, right? The outward journey. And her children is probably looking at her, washing dishes and wondering, what is she going to make, right? Because they're they're makers, you know, until we teach them in third grade that they're not. Right. <laughs> they're industrialists. They're, they oh, have to be that hurts. They have to be doctors. They have to... no. They're makers. So, wow. so what is she going to make? She, you know, preferably with me, you know, mm-hmm. and so washing dishes should be connected with that, right? So, yes, we're cleaning dishes, but it's it's only because clean dishes allows us to make more beautiful food, right? Beautiful dishes that we get to enjoy tomorrow. We're washing dishes, yes, but it's, it's an act of service, right? To, to serve you, to serve this family, to serve God, you know? And, and by the way, God is very present here, you know? <laughs> Through these pipes come the <laughs> Holy Spirit, right? So, so uh, you know, washing dishes become like, the favorite thing in the house because it is where you meet God. You know? <laughs> if we can convince our children, oh, wow. um, 
but but you know, I mean, I I, I say that in jest, but I, I I think it's true, right? If if we can, like, I I'm doing these mundane things in the garden, right? I'm removing rocks and I'm I'm weeding, or I'm I'm, and it it, it there's the you know at that moment there, like, there's no practical, you know, value other than I'm gonna plant you know, tomatoes there. Um, but it's deeply meaningful. Yeah. Because my hands are touching the soil. I feel that. I feel the earth. You know, when we're washing dishes, we're feeding the water, right? Cleanse, cleansing power of water. <clears throat> my <clears throat> my bride is uh, deals with um, human trafficking uh, in India. So she told me once, you know, when you wash dishes, remember that there are people in India who cannot, they don't have clean water. Mm. And that just devastated me, you know, yeah. like, yeah. you know, because we're like complaining, we have to wash our hands 20 yeah. seconds. <laughs> there are people in India who cannot do that. Mm. Mm. You know, how, how rich are we? You know, how fortunate can we do anything, you know? So, so I think those things can become ways that a family can own the new creation mm -hmm. into the mundane. Mm -hmm. And, and I, you know, I try to talk about stories that, that you know, a child building a sand castle in the beach or, yeah. you know, uh, talking to a taxi driver in Tokyo or, you know, these are like outside of church kind of experiences. <clears throat> but I, I, you know, I hope they connect with people that, to yeah. see that every activity, every human activity has potential for glory. Yeah. And it, it's just through those things, ordinary mundane things that our God often speaks to us. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So like the book was so helpful for me and I, I commit, I, I commend it to other people. It's probably the book I've learned the most I've, I have, of all the books I've read, maybe in the last 10 years, it's the book I've learned the most from. And I think it's like 175 pages. Yeah, it's, and it's not like you're bringing new. Oh, look at this new teaching. It's yeah. just, it's almost like your art. It's where like, when I know I could see your art, just like I could see doctrine. Mm -hmm. But when I hear what goes in with your art and mm -hmm. how you got there to what end you're doing it, the big picture it changes the way I view that art. And I'm not even a guy who views art. And in the yeah. same way, I recommend those of us who love theology, mm. we, we love God, we want to love God, we want to love others to read this book, because it helps us to actually sort of get the big picture. And man, mm. we just need it. We need the big picture. So um, as I have 50 other questions, but I'm, I can't do them. But I do want to say my favorite quote from the book was this, I have never heard a squirrel's heartbeat, but T.S. Eliot's writing makes me want to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, George Eliot, George Eliot. Yeah. Oh, George Eliot, sorry. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, it, yeah. It, she writes about uh, the mystery of, you know, if she, if she could hear a squirrel's heartbeat. I mean, it, it, that's, that's a poet, right? Like really paying attention. 
Totally. And, and we, you know, uh, the Bible makes it pretty clear that we are poets too, you know, and, and, and like a lot of majority of uh, what we value in the Bible, uh, including the entire book of Psalms is our poetry. Yeah. So, so we should pay attention to poets, you know, uh, yeah. uh, but, but no, I, I appreciate this conversation and, and, and um, thank you for, um, you know, um, reading my book and then responding to it i need people to respond you know i need you to you know craft this way of enlarging this conversation mm -hmm. theologically right yes. and I, what i wrote is actually one third of what i you know what i the book is one third of what i've written um we decided to really make it readable and digestible um you know and and i think that was the right decision but there's so many things that i i wanted to talk about in the book that you know i, I maybe next book or something but i you know I, so in the me meanwhile you know i love this um conversation to continue so so we'll, we'll figure out some way. That'd be great. The first question yeah. I'll ask is when you say all art in some sense is naming. So that'll be the first question for part two. Okay. You can follow Makoto okay. at I at on Twitter at I am Fujimura. We'll all um we'll post. I am Fujimura. Yeah. And um the book is Art and Faith: A Theology of Making, Yale University Press, 2021. We're giving away two copies. Share this. Brother, thank you for being a medium uh, in the spirit. Thank you. Yeah, uh, grateful. And uh, great to meet you. And uh, grateful what, what you're doing. We came for salvation. We came for family. We came for all that's good. That's how we'll walk away. We came to break the bad, we came to cheer the sad, we came to lead.